0: Nine days after Mama disappeared, I heard she was throwing down with Shelton Potter. Gentry said she was off on a bad one and wandering around the farmhouse like a goddamn ghost. Mama bought her booze at Night Moves, where Gentry worked the counter, and he stopped by to tell me he saw her at Shelton's while he was out there delivering a keg. When, I said. Last night, he said. I've been meaning to come by. The only thing that surprised me was my own surprise. As many times as Carletta let me down, I still felt all gut-punched and woozy, like it was the first time she forgot to pick me up from school. She didn't even recognize me, he said. It was like she looked right through me. Gentry took a puff of his clove and pulled his knit hat down over his ears. He had seven years on me, but we were friends. He sold me cigarettes at the store, even though I only turned 16 that summer, and I was always supportive when he had some drama with a boyfriend. He looked at me with sad eyes. He said he could come in if I felt like talking, but I didn't see the point. Gentry was a good listener, and there was plenty I could say about Mama, but none of it was going to bring her home. I grabbed my hoodie off the hook, thanked Gentry for looking out, and made for the pickup. He called after me from the porch, but I kept going. It was late and cold, and I was bone tired. I work at Pickering's Furniture, and I'd stripped and sanded two small tables and a chest of drawers that night. I didn't lock the shed until after eight, but what was I supposed to do? Stretch out on the couch like everything was copacetic? No, I started the truck instead. I cranked the heat and looked out at the falling snow. There was a norther on the way, but the apocalypse itself wouldn't stop Mama if she was already in orbit. So I gunned it down Clark Street and set out for the North Hills like a solid gold fool. Our block was all beat down runnels and busted up fence. But the digs were even worse when I hit Detroit Street, where the Mexicans stayed. Carletta called it the barrio and liked to cluck her tongue when we rolled by those crumbling down row houses. She liked to say she didn't understand how some people lived. I never bothered to point out that we were just a few blocks away, in a one bedroom, and that I didn't know whether to say I slept in the living room or the kitchen, because the couch was technically in both. The irony would have been lost on Mama, who always said we had an open floor plan, like we lived in some magazine house where everything was spread out nice and all the fabric matched the throw pillows like we put out bowls of decorative fruit just because. It's not that I minded the couch. I slept like a baby. It was just that Carlotta had a way of denying certain realities to make her life seem like more than it was, which was sort of like coping, but was mostly just another way to lie. Still, I missed her. I missed her, and I was tired of my waiting-around, worried-sick life. I was tired of wondering where she was and of the constant alarm that gripped my heart like a strangler vine. So I took Detroit Street to Grove, which led me toward town, where the homes and lives improved considerably. There were the local well-to-do in their big brick houses, and beyond them, the shoreline, where the real cash was. The downstate and Chicago money put their roots down in sand, their seasonals all perfectly placed along the water for maximum panorama, and not a soul there to enjoy it because it wasn't nice that time of year. I couldn't blame them. It was the middle of January in Cutler County, Michigan. We're at the northwest tip of the lower peninsula, the top of your left ring finger if you map it by the back of your hand. And unless you go in for the whole Jack London, ends of the earth vibe, why wouldn't you fly off to somewhere else if you could? It was only nine o'clock at night, and downtown was already three blocks of black windows behind high banks of snow, and there wasn't a single other car in the streets. I sailed through a blinking red onto 31 North, then took the highway past the old cement plant and the Shoreline Estates trailer park. The wind was hard off the bay, and I could see the shape of the north hills in the distance, a jagged, soot-colored line through the snow. I wished I could stop at Portis Dales. Portis was the closest thing I had to a father, and he had a cabin not a half mile from Shelton's. I'd have much preferred to take him to the farmhouse with me, and would have begged him gladly if I thought there was half a chance he would.